welcome back to the SideQuest Podcast. This is Eric. I am joined, as always, by Justin and Jeff, Mr. Back from Florida. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, you're back. Welcome <laughs> back to the shit reality of uh, winter in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, not too happy. So. so we'll just skip right over you, go straight to Justin. He's probably got lovely things to talk about. Oh, so lovely, like a new perfume scent to mystify the audience. Ew. Oh, boy. Show's getting, right? Show's getting, <laughs> four, it's getting 4D here. Yeah. Let me just tell you that that was I was given to say that by our new sponsor. It's called uh, Guy's Nuts Cologne. So. Oh, boy. That's even... Wow. Can I get a sample? Uh, <laughs> come on over. Get it from Munda. Dab it on your neck. Um, so last episode, we left you with a side question that we wanted you to answer. Nobody got it right. I'm surprised because, like, I would assume everybody just used Google. But we asked you, who is the only actor to receive an Oscar nom for acting in a Lord of the Rings movie? And, Jeff, if you were to answer that question, it is... I... <laughs> you don't know, do you? Gandalf? Uh, it is. I mean, it's Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen yeah. was the only one to receive an... Oh, wow. I didn't even Google that. Yeah, so he got an Oscar nom for Lord of the Rings. Like, I would have never, I never well, even. was awesome. Well, yeah, but you just wouldn't expect that kind of movie. I don't know. Sometimes they're just like out of the running automatically. So you just never know. But good for him. Shout out to Ian. We know you're listening. Uh, He's a big fan. It's, him episode, it's episode 32, so you're listening. Um, but all that fun stuff aside, we actually have a very special episode today. We got a special guest with us. All the way from the East Coast, right? Um, here we are with Mr. Ethan Rogers. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us on this very special episode. Hey, pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to be on the show. Thanks very much, guys. Awesome. So, Ethan, you are, I mean, I guess it's best we put it that you're an actor, writer, producer, or, you know, actor, writer, director uh, of short films. You've been in some studio films. And so, Give the folks out there, the listeners, a little bit of background about who you are. Well, a bit of my acting background is I just started, uh, this is my fourth year acting. Um, I've been really, really blessed and very lucky in the projects that I've gotten. Um, I did some background work on Free Guy uh, with Ryan Reynolds and Taika Waititi. I was in Boston for a week doing that. I did Stray with Fat Foot Films. That was really, honestly, one of the greatest filming experiences I've had out of all of them that I've done. Um, that's done fantastic in the festival circuit so far. Um, I've done a 48 hour film project. I was in stab, um, which is a scream fan film series done by Josh Dudley. You can find that on YouTube. Um, and yeah, I'm, uh, actor, writer, producer, director. I help with, I, I helped write Andy man, the song for the movie. Um, and I also did vocals on that track. Yeah. I mean, your, your IMDb page is just filling up here. And so, you know, what, what kind of got you into acting and doing all the, the film stuff to begin with, even though, you know, it's been four years, but was it uh, something you wanted to do growing up? Was it kind of something, you know, more recent, you just kind of switch uh, career paths or how did that come about? A little bit of both, actually. I've always wanted, I grew up wanting to act. Um, I'm from the Midwest originally. I'm from Detroit um, originally. So shout out to the 313. Nice. Um and my family moved out to the East Coast back in 95, 96. And it was one of those things where back then there was no, there weren't very many uh, agencies out here. I'm, I'm one of, I'm number three of seven kids. 
Um, and the idea that my parents were going to be able to drag me to auditions or get headshots and things like that, that just wasn't a reality. Yeah. Yeah. You get, know, with get in line, right? What exactly, <laughs> you know, and you know, I was, already, I'm already number three. And so it's like, I'm kind of in the middle. So it's like, I'm just going to ride this out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, when I get, I grew up, just got busy. I was in the army for about five years. I was a military police officer. Uh, in that time frame, we've got marriage, divorce, alcohol abuse, um, wow. Afghanistan, more alcohol abuse. And finally, when I left the military, I was just in a, a really dark, depressed place because I just kind of fallen back into the habits that I'd been before I was in the military. Yeah. Um, went right back to the same kind of job. I've been doing sales for close to 20 years now. Um, so I just went right back to that and it was miserable. I hated it. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm sitting at my desk one day and I'm just thinking like, what, the, I got to do something to break this rut, break this cycle. And I found online, my first agent, um, Sophia Sanyanka out of Boston. She's now with, uh, Shea management out of Worcester. Um, I found her online. I was just literally did a Google search. She had an open call audition for new talent. I sent in my credentials. They sent me a script. I knocked it out of the park and, uh, she got me my first job in an ESPN commercial three years ago. Um, I was just doing, once again, just background work, but I was doing stand-in for one of the Celtics players um, who was going to be in the commercial because you know, I was the only, I was one of the taller people there. I'm six, one and a half and uh, still very short compared to the actual NBA players. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... But I'm doing the stand-in work and I'm sitting on the stage and out in front of me, there's the lights, and all I see are the silhouettes of the people working behind the camera. And I was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I need to be. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I, me and Jeff, and Justin, you may have done this too, but in the Chicagoland area, like extra work is like kind of, I feel like anybody and everybody's kind of done it. So for for the listeners out there that have never done extra work, Ethan, kind of walk them through what a day in the life of an extra actually <laughs> looks like. Because our our experience was very, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. It was great. There were there was there's two different kinds of people you're gonna meet on set. There's gonna be your union people and your non-union people right out the gate. Um getting an extra job is, you know, it's it's like a lottery ticket. Every audition's like a lottery ticket. You just throw your name in there and you hope it gets pulled. I was I was fortunate enough to get pulled for free guy. Um, so uh, for that, it was a big studio picture, 20th Century Fox. You're, I was commuting from Dover, New Hampshire to into Boston, which is about an hour and a half both ways. Um, you have early call times on set. You're talking like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning to be in the room ready to go. Like 75 other people in there. And you've never met any of these people. And you meet people from all ends of the spectrum. It's honestly one of the best experiences I had in my entire acting career. Because you watch. I'm a very visual learner. And if you're like that, it's an invaluable opportunity to see how the professionals do it. And it's a great opportunity to watch everything unfold and to really understand what goes into making a movie. Because a lot of times you just see, you know, opposing shots and you don't realize that the director is actually setting up a close medium and far shot and the 
the balancing act that goes into play behind the scenes. It's it's an incredible experience. If you ever have an opportunity to do any amount of background work, I I highly recommend doing it. Yeah. I mean, there's some people who will kind of poo-poo on background work a little bit, I think. Um, but for me, it's a great time. Every time I've done it, I did some background work on uh, Defending Jacob, uh, which is an, uh, an Apple TV show uh, with Chris Evans. Oh, so nice. first of all, I want to say that in the span of a couple of months, I worked on set doing background work with two of my heroes, Ryan Reynolds, Taika Waititi, well, the three of my heroes, actually, and, and Chris Evans. I, I saw all of them on set. Yeah, from uh, what is it, the Human Torch and the Green yeah. Lantern, <laughs> yeah, and Captain and of America, of course. <laughs> you know, and then of course you've got Deadpool. Yeah, exactly. And, and Taika and 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 Taika Waititi standing there, and and for me it was just this really awesome moment to realize, with just a little bit of effort, this is what I want to tell your listeners about doing that background work or just getting into the business. Just a little bit of effort, you can find yourself in some absolutely incredible moments. And you know what's interesting about it? Because this was years and years ago where it was just like, you know, some random casting calls, emails, stuff hovering around Facebook that we got involved with. And I, I don't even remember what show it was now, but it was just like so interesting to see that, yes, it's an early call time. And yes, you're pretty much on set first to like set up the whole shot background. They get the stand in actors going. But like it was really interesting to see that like that two, three, four hours of prep is like 45 seconds of footage. Like when you, when all is said and done, like when they say action and cut, like it could be, a, you know, could just be a sliver of time in the movie. That I'm like, shit. Oh I yeah. I didn't realize that much work went into just like somebody walking into a bar and getting a drink. That was like four hours. <laughs> yeah. I, we had, we had this one shot where uh, we were working in an office and uh, I had my desk set up. And of course you've got your ADs, your first ADs, second ADs. You've got all your guys running around. Boston Casting did all of the AD work. Um, if you're on the East Coast and you get a chance to do work with Boston Casting, jump on it. Those guys are fantastic. Um, but they did all the uh, the AD work on the set. And like I said, it's an education. If, you're, if, if you want to learn the business from the ground up, which I think is honestly the best way to do it, I guess you can go to school and film school and all that good stuff. If, you, if you've got the money and the resources for it, do it. But if you're in a city like Atlanta boston chicago la you know if you're around these areas and you don't mind commuting a week's worth of background work is one of the best educations in film you could you could ask for yeah super cool and so outside of the background work like walk us into how you get onto some short films like stray and stab like what was that process like more auditions um those were both um stray was an audition um i was asked to submit um, my friend Sherry Lee, uh, New England Scream Queen. She has done a ton of work with Fatfoot Films. And her and I had done a little bit of work together and she sent my information over to them and they asked me to audition for the part. Um, and I didn't think I was gonna get it because I felt, I felt like I was just too young. You know, as, a, as an actual human being, I just felt like I was too young for the part personally, but I went in there, gave it literally everything I've got. I have um, a, a program that I work through when I set up my character and you know, it's, it's that same thing. Like you said, 45 seconds, you know, you go through all this prep work, you know, you do weeks worth of prep work, learning your lines and delivering them a thousand different times to yourself before you ever step foot into the room to audition. And then you're in there for 30 seconds and it's over. 
Yeah. What kind of walk the people through the listeners that maybe have never auditioned before? Like I've, yeah. I've never done it. Like what, what was the mood in that room? Was it like tense? Were there a lot of people? What, what was that like? There was a fair number of people. It was a big, they had rented out a, uh, a space and a, I guess it was a, a tech center or something nearby. Um, so a big, big table set up. You walk in, you check in with the, the woman running the front. You tell her what you're there for. Um, they, I always staple my resume to the back of my headshot. Okay. So you're, we, you, this is just a little tech thing, little trick of the trade that I picked up. You take your headshot, you flip your resume over, you staple it to the back of your, of your headshot. And that way the casting director doesn't have to look through multiple pieces of paper. They can just look at your picture, flip it over, look at your resume, hand it to them. And then, and then you put it in Jokerman font. So they really remember who it, they, <laughs> exactly. Well, there's one guy who brought a knife to the, to his audition. Oh man. And don't do that. Like I brought a pair of flex cuffs for mine because I was in the scene. I was chained up, you know, that's, that's the way it is in the scene. So I was like, okay, I've got this pair of flex cuffs lying around from when I was an MP. And, uh, you know, if I didn't have the MP part on that, it would be a little bit weirder. Um, <laughs> yeah. But so I brought those and I said, hey, I've got a prop. Would you mind if I used a prop? I always ask. Yeah. You know, hey, guys, if, I brought a chainsaw. <laughs> do you mind if I rev this up really quick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, something like that. Always ask yeah. before you just whip out a knife in an audition. Um, that's my two cents on that um yeah and then you know you you go through it you sometimes they'll want you to do it either without the script in front of you um sometimes they don't mind if you've got the script open um i usually try and memorize the lines as much as i can beforehand but you're in there in the audition space with the director the producer and maybe one or two other people maybe the director and the assistant director or something Okay. And was that like and, your first kind of, uh, you know, quote unquote, like role in a short film uh, that you've, you know, you, know, you, you took a part in? Yes. Um, I had done a, that I had to audition for. I had done a yeah. short film with Henry and Sherry where it was just the three of us. And we were like, hey, let's make a movie. Um, but as far as actually going out for a part and prepping for it and submitting it and that, yeah, that was the first that was really the first one for me. And so what did that feel like, you know, once you got on set? Like, did you feel like, you know, uh, were you surrounded by folks that have done this for a while? Did you feel like you were the newbie and like you just, you know, how, how did that go? Like shooting that that short film? Well, I was on set for two days. Um, the guys over at Fat Foot are just total pros. Um, they've been doing this forever. Uh, they do a lot of uh, kind of like horror comedy um, gore stuff. So this was this scene in particular was a little bit more in, uh, intense for what they normally do. Um, but I was chained to a wall for two days in a basement. Oh, um, that's really what it broke down to. Uh, to prepare for that, I had a picture in my head as to what the basement was going to look like. Um, and then I literally was just down in my basement running my lines, you know, just trying to be in that headspace as, you know, a captive. Yeah. in a place that you can't really get out of. And then to practice the screaming for that part, because I needed to know, you know, where I was going to go or how high and how loud and how far I could actually push it before I started breaking sound. Um, I actually rented studio space at a uh, sound studio here in town. And I went in there and I talked to the guy and I was like, here, the sound engineer, I was like, this is what I would like. Uh, do you want to, can you help me run through these lines and just tell me where I need to be? It was great. 
And uh, then when we were on set, like I said, the guys at Fat Foot, total pros. I was working with uh, Dan Black, John, uh, Josh Ribeiro, Ed Gutierrez, Ryan Convery. Those guys are just amazing professionals. Uh, as far as my acting, my scene partners, I had Luke Corey, great young actor, and Amber uh, Leanne, an amazing young actor. I, I would work with Amber again in, in a heartbeat. And we were in the basement. There's a three of us, two kids, both of them are under 18, and me. And we're in this cold, dank basement. Ryan is constantly spraying us with water to make us look like we're sweating and tired and beat up. And, you know, <laughs> the kids have got these fake plastic chains on, but I had actual real heavy construction weight chains. Jeez. They're like, yeah, so, just, Ethan, we're going to break for lunch. You just hang out here for a while. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I was like, so, I, yeah, I would literally just sit down there <laughs> while they were setting up in between shots and just stay in the scene as much as I could. Um, and I think that really did come through on the performance personally. Like, I don't, I don't generally like to toot my own horn too much, but I had these, I had bruises all up and down my forearms and wrists. Um, the day after we finished filming. Um, I also helped me get in the headspace because I have an alphabetized list of mental health issues. I, um, didn't take my medication for a couple of days. Oh man, that is committed yeah. to your craft. Yeah, well, I, the way I looked at it was, I mean, this guy is being held captive in a basement. He's not going to be chill. Yeah, right. You know, you're pushing someone to the brink, and if I've got something in my system that's, hey, we're not going to go there. Yeah, hey. You know, that's that's, it that's limiting and my I'm performance. And I'm sure it captured in the on film. So, kudos to you, sir. Yeah, but it was it was it was just a great experience. You're in there in this space, and you're creating something that no one's ever seen before. Yeah, and then that leads you into you know short film like Stab. Yep. Um, when to go rising looks like it's in post-production special treatment. And so, you know, kind of walk us through since those projects, like how did you kind of start going out and finding more projects? Did you go through your agency? Did you, was it word of mouth or just going, you know, spreading through the folks that you worked with or how did you get more gigs? Well, um, stab, uh, someone got arrested and, uh, that was another movie that Sherry was in. She had done some work with Josh. And the character I was, I play in that, Lance Weston, the guy who's supposed to play him was arrested for whatever, whatever. I don't really even know. Um, and so like a week before they were going to start filming, Sherry messaged me and asked me if I wanted to read for the part. Uh, I was like, of course I do. I'm always down to read for parts. I always, I, I always love submitting for stuff. Um, and Josh liked it. And we just kind of rolled into it. I got the script. I went to the read through that Friday. And we just started getting into it. It was great. Uh, it was my, it's a feature length. It was my first feature length film. Now that I'm thinking about it as a, as an actor and not as a background person. Whoa. Yeah. That's, that must've been, and how, how many uh, days was that uh, for the shoot? I think we spread out. We did about four or five days. Wow. So and we I do one day here, one day there. Um, no back to back days. No, wait, I can't remember. And as most, was most of it pretty local? Like, do you just try to stay yeah. in the eastern seaboard? Yeah. Yeah, I like to, I, I stretched, I've gone as far as Connecticut. Um, so I've worked in Connecticut, Mass, New Hampshire, Maine. Uh, the only two New England states I haven't worked in yet are Rhode Island and Vermont. Um, but yeah, I, I have, have acting skills, will travel. That's kind of my, nice. my mentality. And so we have, we have a huge horror buff on the podcast, Mr. Justin over there. Um, so I know, I know he probably saw Stray and Stab. And so 
was this something that maybe you were going for, or is this something that you started to take on some liking of the horror genre? And I'm sure, like, Justin writes horror screenplays, and I'm sure you guys could sit for hours and talk, but um, what kind of got you into maybe the horror genre or something that really appealed to you there? Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm not actually a huge horror fan. Oh, no? That's what's No, I'm not. And the thing is, like, New England New England film community, the New England film, I love it, but there's a ton of horror that gets filmed out here. Yeah. And it's, there are sometimes there are projects that come up that aren't horror films, but I just put in a couple auditions last week. Um, and as far as finding gigs and finding auditions, a lot of it's off Facebook. Uh, Facebook, word of mouth, things like that. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, but as far as the horror genre goes, I liked horror movies growing up and I just kind of fell out with them because as I got older, the, the, the concepts behind them kept getting more and more ludicrous to me <laughs> as, as a logical thinking person. And it was harder for me to suspend my disbelief while watching them. And I, and right around the thousands, mid thousands, right around when uh, Hostel came out and saw, I saw there was like this uber gore mentality in, in horror that was coming forward. And that's just not the kind of scary that I like. Yeah. You know, like I'll be in a horror movie. I'll do a horror movie. But I like a I like an old style Hitchcock yeah. thriller, psychological terror. You know, things like that. Like if I can if I can make you laugh and cry and scream, <laughs> that's what I want. I yeah. want all those things. Justin, um, have, you, have you noticed uh like a lot of movies cuz I feel like Ethan you touched on something there like I feel like a lot of horror movies are like, yeah, East Coast or maybe even like the Northwest. Like, is it the wooded area? Like, what is it about those kind of locations, Justin, that you've seen uh, movies get written for? Well, first of all, you, when you're talking about the East Coast, New England, you've got everything with, you know, witches and all of that supernatural and spiritual elements that are just hanging around, ready to be discovered that people can really easily relate to because we grew up in school reading about the Salem witch trials and learning about repression that was going on in those communities and societies and stuff like that. But there's something to be said for the level of isolation that goes into setting your story and where you want to go. Like there are a good number of big city horror movies, but it's just a different kind of fright. So you got to remove what people are familiar with and then Another thing that goes into it is you take a movie like A Quiet Place, which takes place out in a farm in the middle of nowhere, and you, you get a lot of writers and filmmakers from just really ridiculous parts of America where they grew up in the middle of nowhere. You take Brian Bertino, who did Strangers, um, grew up in rural Texas, and they write what they know. And so you, you have a, a large scale of people outside of L.A. that are writing what they know best. And, you know, it, it works. Yeah. And so, Ethan, yeah. bringing us to uh, your uh, – is this your first uh, co-written uh, short film that you've done, uh, Do It Like Andy? When yeah. Did, uh, when did you get the idea for that? How did you think about it? Like, just walk us through that process. So the genesis for Do It Like Andy um, was a lot of fun. Henry and I had written a screenplay called Transported. It was a 142-page behemoth, and it was the first chapter in a five-part series that I still want to do. But we wrote it, and after we finished our sixth draft of the script, I was like, man, Henry, there's no fucking way we can make this. Pardon my language. Oh, go for it. We fucking like, swear up, up and down this bitch. Okay, good. 
I was like, Henry, there's no fucking way we can make this movie. And like, yeah, we can do parts of it, but it's going to look like dog shit. Yeah. You know, like, cause we just don't <laughs> have what we need to make this film. So I was like, let's challenge ourselves. Uh, we were having one of our weekly meetings cause we like to get together at least once a week, once every other week, just roll stuff off each other, see how, see what's going on. And I was like, let's challenge ourselves to do a short film, 20 to 30 minutes, comedy, horror, no violence. And that's what those are the parameters that I set for us to work on. And I was like, let's see if we let's see if we can just challenge ourselves because I know what's out there because I watch media all the time. I just consume this stuff constantly. So I know what's going on out there. I've got a pretty good read. And I was like, I don't see very many things like that. Those elements mixed together. So let's see what we can come up with. And I've got my buddy, Andrew, uh, Andrew Clark. He plays Andy. I've got him and he's been telling me since I got into acting, he's like, and listen, man, tell, tell these people that, you know, you've got a funny friend, you know, <laughs> tell them you've got a funny friend. I was like, Andrew, I love your brother, but like, that's just not how that works. Like, do you need a funny friend? Like, so I was like, all right, but why am I going to wait for someone to give me the opportunity when I can do it myself? So we wrote this, we started working on it. I was like, so Andrew's a handyman. He and I do handyman work. So like, okay, we've got the, the basic concept, we've got a handyman. What else have we got? When, and when Henry and I were scouting locations for transported, we found the property that we shot, do it like Andy on. And it's 36 acres outside of the house that you see and do it like Andy a little ways off the property. There's 15 to 15 cabins oh. all abandoned in the woods. That's yeah, that's nope. I'm good. There's a general <laughs> store abandoned. Uh, it used to be an old party camp that was built in the 20s. And after it changed hands multiple times, it finally just closed down in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s. And it's literally just been abandoned in place since then. Uh, the house, everything you see and do it like Andy was there when we got there. Yeah. It, we it, didn't dress the set at all. It definitely just came with like ghosts and goblins. And it, it just looks like. Yeah, it, it was the perfect place of like horror. Like, why why are you there? Don't go there. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just like uh, the audience will look at it and be like, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Um, so we ended up, Henry Henry tracked down the owner of the property. Um, and in the process of tracking him down, we found out that the original listing agent for the property, because it's for sale, had died. Um, in the so house. That's how, yeah, right. Um, and, and so we eventually got in touch with him. He's this fellow named George, lives out in South Carolina. He said we could use the property whenever we wanted. So I was like, great. So we're writing Do It Like Andy. He's like, okay, so we've got the location. We've got the basic idea. And originally, it was going to be a fixer-upper show with a ghost hunter. So those two characters were going to be clashing together throughout the course of the show. But that didn't really, we couldn't really get it to work. So we went back, rewrote it to just Andy. And I think Henry and I ended up writing the finished script in one night. Wow. The script that we shot on, we did in one night. Um, and we were just rolling with it. It was yeah. great. And how long, uh, how long did it take you guys to shoot? One day. We did all the principal photography in one day. So all the dialogue, all the primary scenes, all that sh stuff, everything, but everything except for the B-roll, we did one day of filming. And we, uh, I rustled my crew together. I didn't really give too many people a choice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was like, you're going to help me with this. You yeah. owe me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to get you into filmmaking. And they're like, okay. Nice. And so, uh, what was kind of the, 
you know, final cut like? How long did it take you to actually get it to where it's at today? Significantly longer, uh, about five, six months. Um, we got bogged down in the editing process. I don't want to get into it. There's some behind the scenes drama that just <laughs> for the sake of professionalism, I'd rather not get into very much. Um, but that really slowed us down by about a month. Uh, okay. So we lost a whole month's worth of time. And then we kind of had to scramble and we were trying to figure out how to use After Effects. And it was just too powerful for what we were trying to do. And that's another word to the wise. If you're getting into this, into the end of the business where you start filming your own projects and editing, if you're not doing Avengers level stuff, you really don't need After Effects. <laughs> well, Jeff, Jeff can talk to some editing. He's he's Mr. Editor over there. Jeff, what do you what do you typically use? And I know you've edited some stuff in the past. Um, just you know, primarily Premiere and a little bit of After Effects, uh, but nothing crazy. I mean, we're filming like surgery and stuff, so you don't need. You don't need like the the, special effects, the fake boobs exploding off their chest, you know, 3D style. You know, so when we were going, exactly. And you've seen do it like Andy. I mean, there's nothing in there that really requires any of that. Yeah. No, it was was definitely, uh, it was a fun treat. No spoilers. Um, We were excited. Thanks so much for giving us that uh, copy to watch ahead of time. I had a fun time with it. And uh, again, no spoilers, but it gave me like a creepy 90s movie vibe that I'm sure all of you listeners out there, when you watch it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I talked with Ethan a little bit offline. He's like, oh, yeah, it's definitely kind of like that. Uh, but you took really some cool spooky elements there that I think people will really be excited about. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And as far as it goes, I couldn't be happier with the way it turned out because it looks exactly like it did in my head. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know? Like when I saw when because when I'm thinking of a story, I usually I usually see the whole thing all the way through to the end. I'm like, okay, that's what I want it to look like. Yeah, well, and it did. And that house, I mean, if you have a chance to shoot there more, like, and all those cabins, like that, I just I I got the heebie-jeebies just you know thinking about. I'm like, no, definitely wouldn't want to be there. Definitely not at night. uh, No, because that's where murders happen. Yeah. So funny story. I went to go get lunch for everybody. We broke for lunch. I drove down the road to go pick up subs and stuff. And while I was gone, a cop showed up. And of course, I'm the only one with actual permission to be on the property. So the cop was asking some questions and Andrew was talking to him because he's good for he's good like that. And uh, the cop was like, yeah, no, I believe you. You're fine. And Andrew was like, hey, um, you ever been in there? He's like, no, I've been called out here two or three times. I, I, I would never go in there. <laughs> and he's like and he was like oh will you hear any creepy have, do you know any creepy stories about this place the cop had already started walking to his car at that point without missing a beat looks at him says nope just the witches got in his car and fucking took off oh my god <laughs> yeah, yeah so they're standing there outside this house the cop is like witches are there yeah i'm nowhere to be found <laughs> don't go up in the attic or the basement have fun see ya dude i'm telling you uh, there was there was dry cleaning in the closet upstairs um there are mink fur coats in the closet in the bed in the living room that grand piano there's wedding pictures on the on the fireplace mantle um whoever left that place left it in a hurry yeah and it comes to life at night for sure that kind of place oh yeah <laughs> well when when henry, henry and i went back to shoot the b-roll the next weekend all the outdoor stuff and just empty rooms you know basic stuff and uh I was inside at the piano, just taking some notes on something, checking stuff off, making sure we got everything we need. And Henry was out of the car grabbing something. 
And I heard this bang from one of the upstairs bedrooms that we did not shoot in. I was like, okay, I'm not going to acknowledge that. I'm just going (laughs) to pretend that that didn't happen. And Henry comes inside and we take, do a couple more shots. I just started feeling drained, like absolutely just drained. I was like, dude, I think we've got what we need. Yeah. As we, we loaded up and left and he's like, so did you hear that loud bang? I was like, yeah, I did. I really yeah. I didn't want to say anything because I figured it might freak you out. And then it was like, <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I believe in all that shit. Jeff, we, one of our favorite stupid reality shows, Ghost Adventures with Scooby oh, Douchebag. Um, <laughs> Zach Bagans, like, dude, I love, like, that's, that's the type of show I love to watch, like, late at night and just, like, scare the shit out of myself. I know half of it's just, like, him getting possessed and it's all bullshit, but then half the oh, stuff, yeah. when it's, like, loud noises and unexplainable stuff, like, I, to- I eat that stuff up. I believe in ghosts for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's, there's something going on out there. The way I look at it, I think maybe we just have a, uh, a different, we need to just look at ghosts from a different perspective. If I was, I said this on another if I was stuck someplace for t- long enough to become a tourist attraction, I'd be pretty pissed off. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, yeah, like if, <laughs> yeah no, but, totally. But, and then nobody takes care of your house. You can't do anything about it. Like there's cobwebs everywhere. Like yeah. how can you expect to be happy in a situation? Then people show up and want you to do creepy stuff. Yeah. People just come in, they break <laughs> in and they do crack on the floor and then they, you know, pass out. And now you're just trying to haunt them, you know? Yeah. It's like, so, I wouldn't be thrilled if that was the position I was in. Not, <laughs> not a good full-time job at all no thanks no it's terrible the benefits have got to suck oh yeah for sure well ethan this was a treat right jeff i mean we love having guests on the show ethan this was i mean you're you're one of our first guests we did have Feline machine on a couple episodes ago one of our buddies nice. but this was nice just to reach out to uh somebody that's in the business and get your take on the world and what you've been up to so I think it would be nice if we kind of make this a thing and we check in with you every so often to see what kind of projects you're working on, what's new. I would love it. So um, we will give you the floor, sir. Let everybody know, all the listeners out there, where they can find Do It Like Andy. Plug whatever you want. The floor is yours, sir. All right, cool. Do It Like Andy. Um, Let me just get the exact link because I'm terrible about things like that. We've got, um, Henry and I were talking about this the other night, we've got a total of eight projects um, in the pipeline that we're working on right now. Um, there's do it like Andy, which is premiering on January 22nd at eventive, uh, org forward slash do it like Andy. Uh, if you go on eventive's website and search for do it like Andy, you can find it there. Here it is. Watch.eventive.org forward slash do it like Andy. All right. And I'll shoot you the link for that. We've got, um, at least four more episodes of do it like Andy planned that we'd like to do. Um, so there's that to look forward to. We have a series that we're working on, a true crime series that we're working on based on actual events that took place here locally called The Trunk. Um, and the next short film that we're going to do outside of Do It Like Andy is probably is going to be Heaven. We started doing pre-production green screen work for that over the weekend, did our read through. And after that, we've got a psychological thriller on the docket called You Said. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. And Ethan, a tradition around here on the SideQuest podcast is that, is that we end the show with a noise. Just <laughs> something stupid that we did. I don't even know. Episode one or two, and it just kind of stuck. And so with you being one of our first, I guess, official guests outside of Flea Machine. Don't don't kill us, Flea Machine. You were great. Um, but one of our official guests that we met on the interwebs. Um, Jeff, what do you think? Should we have him do like a spooky ghost noise in the haunted house? 
It's gonna have to be just in, uh, you know, in spirit of of the, the film and everything. Yeah, so Ethan, do your best impression <laughs> of a spooky ghost that's up in the attic of Do It Like Andy. Oh man. Um. 